Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Crossing family, I come bringing uh, great news. Two weeks ago, I bought a grill. 580 square inches of stainless steel grilling space designed to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord and unto myself. It's happening. Furthermore, I found out that at my parents' house, they have a black stone that they don't use. And so today, I'm dropping off my kids at their house for the next three days and I'm taking that black stone grill and I'm borrowing it. God is good all the time. And all the time, I hope you're doing well. I am so excited to have an opportunity to hang out with you. I just got back from family vacation. This is the first family vacation that I've taken our family on that I've paid for. And we, we did it and we did it right. I took the whole family to Disney. I put me, the wife, both the boys, the daughter and her husband in the car. We hopped on, on Sunday, we hopped in the car, drove all the way down to Orlando. And we got there about 9 a.m. Monday morning, and we went to SeaWorld on Monday. We went to Magic Kingdom on Tuesday. We went to Animal Kingdom on Wednesday. We went to Blizzard Beach on Thursday. We went to Hollywood Studios on Friday, and we drove home on Saturday. Yes, I'm a conqueror. And as we were getting ready to go on this trip, I uh, recruited uh, some people to kind of help me. There's a lady named uh, Julie Guinness, who's a part of our Hannibal location. She has like a side hustle where she helps you plan your, your Disney-cation and knows, you know, what packages to get and where's the places to eat and all that stuff. And then uh, another family, they hooked us up with their condo so I didn't have to stay on resort. And then I talked to my dear friend who uh, goes to Disney once or twice every year. And these people helped me put together an incredible vacation experience. They gave me uh, the inside uh, tips and the, the tricks of how to get the most out of your Disney experience. Uh, for instance, I would be getting text messages the day before saying, hey, you're gonna be here tomorrow and here's the three places you wanna go. Here's where you wanna go first. I would get pictures of a map and they would draw a map of me getting out of my car in the parking lot to where I needed to go first. Yeah, uh, I learned insider tips, which I wanna tell you about. When you go into Disney, everybody goes to the right. They go counterclockwise through the parks. You wanna go in and go to the, to the left, which seems... A lot of people seem to be acknowledging that, which makes me think next time we go, we should all go to the right, okay? Uh, I learned stuff like uh, what time to get up and what sites to log on to so that way you can get, uh, be a part of particular experiences. And all of these people, they kept pouring out information to help me get the most out of my experience. Like another one of them was, you go to the park right when it opens, you stay till two, then when it gets really hot, you just go back to your hotel take a good three hour nap, then go back in. And all the people who stayed there, who've been cooked, have lost the will to live. You just, you just show back refreshed, hop in line, things like that. Uh, and some of the rides that they said, no matter what, make sure you were life-changing rides. Now, it was already gonna be a great experience because I was gonna get to ride roller coasters with my boys for the first time. And uh, my boys are, um, you know, holding their hand while they're going down Splash Mountain. It's all fun. The problem with roller coasters and when you're 6'6", is I'm, with, uh, I'm, what, I'm a one-click guy. 
And uh, here's what that means. My kids get in the roller coaster, my wife, my son-in-law, all of them, they get in, it's like, <laughs> like your turn. <laughs> okay, like I, we got on one of these rides, uh, uh, Flight of Passage, where uh, you, you get a ride of Dragon, and my mind could not distinguish between what was real and what wasn't. So you need to know your pastor's a Dragon rider, okay? Uh, that's just who I am. Well, I get in and they, uh, they start, you know, they fill up this thing in the front and they have this thing that comes up in your back. And so like, cause apparently, you know, dragons are pretty agile creatures. Well, then there's this last piece, which is like the, they have to secure your legs. And I'm already on what's like a, a small motorcycle basically. And this young kid comes up and goes, sir, we're going to need to get your, your legs in there. And I said, okay. <laughs> and he's like, so go ahead. I'm like, that's as, that's as far as my legs move. <laughs> and he's like, well, we're going to have to get my, well, the problem is uh, my legs are attached. So I don't know. And so I basically had to get all the way. And he shut the door. I'm like, all right, we're dragon riding now. <laughs> they have bigger dragons? Sir, I'm just asking if it's all make-believe, can I get a big dragon? Anyhow, uh, we got to ride, uh, we got to do the smuggler's run with where we drove the Millennium Falcon uh, uh, my son-in-law got to pull the lever twice for us to go into hyperspace. Uh, the average family, when they do this ride, they get 5,000 points. We had 9,000, just so you guys kind of know what to expect when you guys go. Uh, then we lost 2,000 points because my son-in-law doesn't know the difference between up and down, and we crashed quite a bit. Uh, we'll, deal with, we'll deal with that at a later time. Anyhow, I, this whole experience was made better because I had people who were speaking into it people who had a higher altitude, who had a better perspective, who had experienced it before. I didn't get mad at these people, I leaned into them because I knew that they were doing it for my good. If the lives that you and I have right now are the sum total of all the decisions we've made in the past, some good and some bad. I mean, think about the decisions you've made, who to marry, what occupation to have, where to work, whether or not to have kids, how many kids to have, what house to buy, what car to drive, what friends to invite into your life, we're making a lot of decisions. And if the decisions we're making become the life we end up living, it might be good for us to figure out a way to make, you know, better decisions. That is why I am so glad to have all of you here at our 48th Street location, all of our different locations across three states, those of you watching online and inside, because I believe this, and you, you, you could tell me I'm wrong, but I actually think that as a people group, we wanna make better decisions and we wanna have a better life. I think we would enjoy avoiding certain frustrations and we could all use the ability to make better decisions. Sometimes we say this in Christian terms, uh, you'll go up to a trusted friend or you'll make, come up to one of a, our pastors or staff members and you'll ask it in these terms. What is God's will for my life? How many of you across all the locations, show of hands, believe that you would live a better life if you had the mind of Christ? Yeah, I think so too. What if I told you you could have the mind of Christ? I'm gonna read, uh, take us through a long chunk of scripture. It's gonna be the only big one I'm taking you through today. So I need you to pay attention because it's the foundation for everything we're gonna talk about. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Okay, 1 Corinthians 
chapter two. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, no eye has seen it, what no ear has heard, no ear has heard it, what no human mind has conceived, you can't imagine it, the things God has prepared for those who love him. So God has something in store for people who love him. But you haven't seen it? You haven't heard it? You can't even dream it. Let's keep going. These are the things God has, uh-oh, has revealed to, everybody say this word. Hold on a second. He's revealed it to us by his We're gonna focus a lot on this. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Let's keep going. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So in in order to understand God, you have to have the spirit of God. How do you get the spirit of God? Well, the Bible tells us that when we become obedient in the area of baptism and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we gain the Holy Spirit in our baptism and that same spirit helps us to know the thoughts of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So the spirit that you have also helps you understand what God is up to. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that comes from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. This sermon series is called Crazy Faith. Maybe you've been doing something for Jesus and the people around you thought you were crazy. Maybe they thought you were foolish. It's because the things that you are doing for God will not make sense to somebody who doesn't have the spirit of God. The person with the spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the, all of our locations, Mind of, you have it. If you are in an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you have the mind of Christ. This passage teaches us at least four things. One, those who have the Holy Spirit have access to the plans that God has for them. So if you're going, does God have a plan for my life? And can I know what God's plan for my life is? The answer, if you have the Spirit, the answer is yes. Those who have the Holy Spirit can understand the will of God. Here's the third thing. Those who do not have the Holy Spirit cannot accept the things of God. And then the last thing is those who have the Holy Spirit have the mind of God. Now, I wanna say it this way. To have the mind of God is to know God's will. That makes sense. To have the mind of Christ is to know God's will. I wanna give a shout out to Loretta Nova. She works here at our 48th Street campus. I was working on this sermon. I was trying to figure out a way to make the points of this sermon a little bit more sticky and she came up with a great way to do it. We're gonna actually use the word mind, M-I-N-D, to talk about the will of God. The first M is God's majestic will. 
This is God's sovereign providential will. These are the things that you and I have no control over. There are things that are gonna be done and there's nothing that you or I can do to stop it. For instance, when uh, God decided to create the world, did he ask for your opinion? Participation, permission. No, when he decided to have his son uh, come to earth through uh, the Virgin Mary, did he uh, need your help with that? No, I don't think he even asked. Could you have stopped it if you wanted to? No, it's gonna happen. When God decided that his son was gonna die on the cross for your sins and for mine, could you stop it? Could anybody stop it? And when three days later, Jesus, God decided to bring Jesus back from the dead, could anybody stop it? Could the Romans? Nope. Could the Jewish authorities? Nope. Could you and I? Nope. God said three days later, my son will rise from the dead, and so he did. Here's the thing. God's majestic sovereign will, his ultimate upper story will cannot be stopped. Why is that good for you and me? Well, I'll tell you, there's joy in it. Here's the joy. The joy in joining God in his majestic will is that we already know we win. When you join God in his majestic will, you are joining a winning team. You know what our problem is? We spend an awful lot of our time and energy trying to get God to join our team, right? We court, we court uh, God like uh, LeBron James, like, hey man, we've had a rough year. Actually, like all of them have been pretty rough. We've made a lot of bad decisions. But I think if you wanted to come play for us, we could probably have a winning season. Does that sound right to you? Like, who should join whose team? Should God join yours? Or, and I'm just throwing this out there for the smart people, <laughs> should we join his? That's the offer of Christianity, is you can leave your losing team and you can join God's winning team. And when you, and when you join God's winning team, you stop losing and you start Winning because God doesn't lose. That's God's ultimate majestic will. Now, here's I, his intentional will. This is God's missional will. This is what God wants to see accomplished, how he wants things to take place here on earth. Uh, this is the stuff like uh, he wants to see lost people found. He wants to see people find an intimate personal relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. He wants us to shine like stars in the night. He wants us to be full of uh, the Holy Spirit and exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He wants us to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. He wants us to love our enemies as ourselves. He wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves. He wants us to look out for the poor, feed the hungry, and take care of the sick. This is how God wants us to operate. But he gives us a choice. You can say no to this one. It's what God wants to have happen. It's what God asks you to participate in. Now there's joy in joining God in this one too. Look at the joy at this one. The joy in joining God in his intentional will is that it makes us more like him. Husbands, I'm gonna give you a gift. You ready? Pay attention, fellas. Ladies, I need you to participate. Ladies, how many of you like Jesus? Illustration breaks down if you don't raise your hand. Like, okay. All right, so you like Jesus. Now, uh, ladies, uh, do you believe that uh, Jesus uh, loves you? Okay, okay, okay. 
Do you believe that Jesus sacrifices for, on your behalf? Yeah. Do you believe that Jesus wants what's best for you? Does Jesus ask you to do hard things sometimes and you are willing to do it anyway? Fellas, do you know why she's willing to do uh, difficult things sometimes for Jesus? Uh, it's because he loves her sacrificially. He serves her consistently and he's looking out for her best interest. You wanna know why your marriage might not be as good of a marriage as you'd like? Problem is, is that you're in your marriage, you're too much like you. And you should be, because she likes Jesus. <laughs> Thinks he's great. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I'm just throwing stuff out here. If you'd like a better marriage or a better relationship, be more like him and less like you. The joy is that when we join God in his intentional will, it makes us more like him. Ladies, ladies, what you wanna be is you wanna become more like Jesus. And it will make your relationships more godly. Then here's the last one. You have your majestic will, you have his intentional will, then you have his noble will. This is God's moral will. This is how God wants us to behave. These are like the 10 commandments. Don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat. Don't have sex with someone who's not your spouse. Just the basic stuff. Now, listen, Christians, there's gonna come a moment in time when you're uh, filling out your taxes or uh, punching in at work or here's the big one, you sold your house and you're going through the disclosures and one of the questions is, is have you ever had water in your basement? <laughs> Seems like all the houses never have water in their basement until the first rain after someone buys it. And then there's a Facebook post. Hey, if you got a shop back and you don't have a job, we'd love for you to hang out with us today because we're sucking out the water, right? <laughs> yeah. Hold on a second. Christians aren't supposed to violate, we're supposed to be truth tellers. So husbands, when your wife comes to you and says, does this dress make me look fat? <laughs> you bang your head on a wall. <laughs> you start crying and you forget you at her, she asked the question. Cause you don't wanna be a liar, okay? That's how you handle that one. Now look at me. Here is the joy in joining God in his noble will. Are you ready? Here's the joy. The joy in joining God in his noble will is that it gives us a fuller life with fewer regrets. There weren't enough head nods there, so let me clarify. How many of you, your life got better when you started lying more? Like it just really took a turn, <laughs> right? Yeah, when you started sleeping with people that you didn't marry, like that was when things really started to shape up for you, right? No regrets there. Yeah, have you noticed this, that when that God's will is good for us to join and participate in and it brings us joy. Well, after you go through his majestic will, his intentional will, after you navigate his noble will, all that's left is God's distinct will. Where to live? 
if, who to marry, whether or not we should take the job. Now we like to think of this, of God's will, uh, as if God's will for our life is a big deal and God's will is kind of like a small deal. Well, let me show it to you this way. This is kind of how we do it. This is God's will for my life. God, here's your will, and my life is the most important part of it. That's wrong. This is how it should actually be. This is God's will for my life. God's big, glorious, sovereign, intentional. It's his noble will and his distinct will for my life. If you wanna be in the will of God, you've heard Jerry say this all the time, look where God is working and join him, then you will be in the will of God. So how do we determine God's will for our lives? We work through the wills that he's already revealed. For instance, so you've got his majestic will, his intentional will, his noble will, his distinct will. So let's, let's play this out. Um, does, it, does this decision impact his majestic will? Does it accomplish his intentional will? Does it violate his noble will? So you, you might be at one of our uh, locations and you're like, I want to marry this person. And is it God's will for us to get married? We like the same movies. We like the same bow tie pasta. We love each other. We are so happy. We're gonna be better than every other couple ever, right? You've met those stupid people, right? You've seen them, you've seen them, okay? Now, now listen, so you're trying, to, you're trying to decide like the person you're holding hands with, should, is it God's will for your life for you to marry them? Is this person on God's team? If not, they're gonna lose. And I don't marry losers, right? We, if I'm gonna be on God's team, I'm gonna win. So they're gonna, if I'm gonna marry somebody, it's God's will for them to be on God's team. Start there. That's pretty simple. Next one, intentional will. Do these people wanna be about the things of God? For instance, uh, those of you who aren't married yet, I'm gonna give you a gift. Adult people play this part cool. There'll be a time in your marriage where you'll be under the impression that your spouse is the enemy. <laughs> I know you don't think that, but trust me, there'll be a day. And, and, in God's intentional will, Jesus says, uh, we pray for our enemies. So when you become the enemy of your spouse, uh, ladies, you're gonna want a guy who uh, prays things for you instead of throws things at you. Because Jesus, when he was being crucified, said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You wanna give yourself a gift, your kids a gift, your family a gift? Marry somebody who is wanting to do the things of God. And then, noble will. Does this person violate God's noble will? This is pretty self-explanatory. Do you want to marry a liar? I'm guessing no. Because when he says he loves you, you won't know. Do you want to marry somebody who cheats on you? Throwing this out there. 
guessing that's gonna hurt your little heart. You wanna marry somebody. Now, once you get through all of these, you're down to, are they tall or not? Can I wear heels in my wedding? Do I like facial hair? Like, you, if you've solved all of this, what? You like wallpaper, he likes vinyl? I mean, what's the big stuff, right? The problem is, we spend all of our time figuring out whether or not they like the same Sandra Bullock movie as we do, instead of this stuff, and this stuff, and this stuff. You're getting ready to take a job. Should I take this job? Well, does it allow you to stay on God's team? Does it allow you to participate in the work that he's trying to do to reach people far from him? Are you gonna have space in this job to be able to participate in your church, love your family, lead your home? Are you gonna have to do anything that violates uh, your conscience or does stuff that's outside of God's will? Are you gonna be asked to do things that would threaten your integrity? Then, it's crazy to me, it happens all the time. You can ask our campus pastors, people will get a, think, get a job offer, they'll leave one of our communities, they'll go to that place and they'll make sure that they've got great houses, great schools, great places for them to, uh, for them to you know, buy groceries, good restaurants. And then they'll call and say, man, we just cannot find a, a church. So you went looking for the job and you looked for all the other things, but you didn't look, is there gonna be a place for me and my family to grow and mature in Christ? How could that be God's will for your life? For you to sacrifice your family on the, church, on, the, on, the, on the altar of the world and then have no way for them to actually grow and be rooted in Christ. Five years from now, you're gonna go, man, I wish we'd been connected to a great church. I'm not saying don't move away if you get a job. I'm saying just make sure that you go, hey, we're gonna go down there for like three weekends in a row and do our church shopping then. How do I handle this situation with my kids, grown or little? I've got this, what's God's will for me to handle this with my kids? Well, one, is my kid on God's team? Maybe instead of trying to solve this particular issue, I could spend more time trying to make sure that they're on God's team. I bet that would sort out a lot of things. Uh, how about this one? Am I going about this in a way that, that honors God? Am I making sure that when I'm navigating this with my kids, I'm behaving in the right way? Because when you're screaming at your kids to behave, you're trying to get them to do a godly thing, but you're parenting in an ungodly way. We're better than that. Some of you are going, Clayton, this is great, but is there a shortcut? There is. You have to go to Bible college for five years. <laughs> I'm telling you. And they, I'm gonna teach it to you so that way you can instantly know God's will for your life. Here's what you do. Dear God, I wanna know what your will is for my life right now. And in five seconds, the next word that we hear is your will for our life. One, two, three, four, five. How many of you guys got burritos? Huh? How many of you guys got Taco Bell? Then you're asking yourself, hold on a second, is God creating confusion? Are we supposed to get burritos after church or Taco Bell? God's saying both, son. He's saying both, get two plates. Praise him. Yeah, that is not how it works. 
Then people come up to our to staff and they're like, wait, I need you to help me because I need you to help me figure out God's will for my life. Just so you know, we don't have like a red phone that we get to like dial God, press one God, two Jesus, three the apostle Paul. Like we don't get, we, we no, that's not how it works. Do you know how God reveals his will? He reveals his uh, will in his word, through his spirit to his people. He reveals his majestic, his intentional, his noble, his distinct will in the Bible. It's confirmed through the spirit and his people who have the mind of Christ perceive it. They understand it. That's why it helps to have godly people on the branch with you bringing them in on decisions and helping you discern what God might be up to. People who spend time in the word of God, who have the Holy Spirit moving in their lives. How many of you have seen somebody getting ready to make a really, really bad decision? And you're like, boy, if they had asked me, I could have, they could have avoided a lot of hurt. How many of you, you were getting ready to make a decision and you avoided certain people because you were pretty sure that they would have talked you out of it? How many of you, how many of you? Some of the biggest hurt in your life could have been avoided if you'd have sought godly counsel. You know what our issue is? This is where it gets really tough. Our biggest issue is not in knowing God's will, but in not wanting to do God's will. That's us. We want God's will to be difficult, complex, and hidden so we can avoid having to do it. Pick any mistake you've made in your life, find your biggest regret and ask yourself this question. Would you have made that decision? Would you have done that thing if you had made that decision with the mind of Christ? God's will is not difficult to determine. It's just difficult to obey. That's where we struggle. It requires crazy faith to live out the will of God. Let me show it to you. Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do you know why this requires crazy faith? Because look what you have to do. You have to trust, you have to lean, and you have to submit before he makes your path straight. God's will is a straight path for you. But before you can access the straight path, you and I have to trust, lean, and submit. Here at The Crossing, we believe that God's way is the best way. We believe it's good in absolutely every area of your life and for everyone in your life. We believe it's good for married people and singled people, divorced people and widowed people. We believe it's good for early childhood people, elementary people, junior high and high school kids. We believe it's good for people in their 20s and people in their 80s. We believe it's good for black people, brown people, white people, and every shade in between. And I wonder what would happen in our community, in our region, in our little neck of the woods, if people who look just like you and me People who know just as much as we know. What would happen in our relationships, in our families, our schools, in our communities, if a group of us, just like us, 
we're not just gonna take seriously discovering God's will, but actually living God's will out. At the very end of Jesus' longest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he tells this story at the end of Matthew chapter seven. And he uh, tells this story and he highlights two different types of people. And Jesus says this, the one who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And whoever hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Here's Jesus painting a picture. There is a wise path and there's a foolish path. Uh, The wise and the fool both go to church. The wise and the fool both sit in the same section. The wise and the fool both hear the same sermon. The wise man and the foolish man both read the same Bible. The wise man and the foolish man both like the same worship songs. But there is a wise man and a foolish man. And the difference between the two was not in the preaching. It wasn't in where they sat. It wasn't in what they read. The difference between the wise man and the foolish man is the wise man took what he discovered about God and applied it to their life. The foolish man heard it, but didn't do anything with it. Now listen, this is Jesus talking, not me. So if you want to get mad, send him hate mail. Do you want to be the wise person or the foolish person? Uh, He finishes the story. A storm came. Oh, this is important for you. I say this about every year. I might say it more than that because it's important to me. Hear me. Storms are coming. As your pastor, you got to know that I love you enough to tell you this. You've probably figured it out by now. Storms are coming. And there's this part of us that like to think that once we're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that uh, we're probably not going to have storms. Listen, as a Christian, you may have less storms, but you will still have storms. Cancer comes to Christian homes and unchristian homes. Suffering comes to Christian homes and unchristian homes. Death comes to Christian homes and unchristian homes. Infertility comes to Christian homes and unchristian homes. Job loss comes to Christian homes and unchristian homes. Storms are coming. The promise of Christ is not a storm-free life because storms happen to everybody. The foolish man, when the storm's over, the foolish man is washed away. When the storm's over, the wise man is still standing. Here is your loving father beckoning you, saying, don't just hear what I have to say, put it into practice. Let me make your path straight. Let me make your foundation sure. And Christians, I think you can resonate. You've been through some storms. You don't know how you got through them. You might even say that God got you through them. And I think you'd be right. And you know what? Once you've gone through a storm, you know what else you find out? You can handle another one. So if I could urge 
you, no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey at any of our different locations, what would happen if some of us were to choose to walk away from the foolishness of not building a foundation and start stepping in the wisdom of building one where we take God's will and we live it? Because I don't think we just need it. I think the people around us need it too. We're moving to a time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.